Welcome to Just Punk Enough. I am your host, Andy Harrison. You're listening to KMVC 95.1 FM, Carson City. Thanks for joining me, guys. Saturday night, warm weather. I'm digging it, man. Go outside and grill. Yeah, loving it. So, let me set this picture for you. It was 1995. I was in Stasha's room, trying to learn how to play the guitar. And God knows, it wasn't going well. Stosh pulled out this tape. It was called Zoinks. And he said, these guys are from Reno. And I was like, what? We put it on, and I fell in love. Bad Move Space Cadet. Perfect album. And uh, it's stuck with me ever since. I interviewed Bob Conrad, the drummer from Zoinks. And we're going to listen to that on this episode Bob is such a nice guy, such a talented drummer, and one in my in one of my favorite bands of all time. So, let's listen to this interview. Thank you. It's cool you're playing gigs again. I mean, you were playing with basement tapes, right? Yeah, I mean, we can get into that. I, yeah, let's get yeah, into that. I, uh, I was playing with um, Notch 8 down in Carson for many years. Um, are we are we recording? Cool. Yeah, let's start. Right. Yeah, so I was playing in uh, with a band called Notch Eight um, in Carson for about four or five years, maybe, yeah. and that was kind of an Americana type, you know, cover band. Oh, okay. Um, oh, I think Butler told me about that. Yeah, so That's we right. played down in Carson a lot. Uh, Carson, Gardnerville, Genoa, Reno. Um, and yeah, that honestly, that band of all the bands I've been in was probably the most consistent working band yeah. and honestly, probably the band that I made the most money playing with, <laughs> yeah, I which it. means I haven't made a lot of money ever playing music, <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> which is okay. Yeah. So let's just, uh, let's just start. I'm talking to Bob Conrad. Um, I only know you from Zoinks and Basement Tapes. Okay. And, um, so I just, yeah. I don't know, like I looked up to zoinks and i think you would be a, a cool dude to talk to so oh thanks yeah so. it's it's weird you know zoinks obviously is the most uh, known band like nationally or yeah. i guess even in somewhat internationally that i've been in but it's really just one of many bands i've been in okay in, in yeah, the see, last I, four decades yeah. i guess yeah <laughs> see i had no idea so yeah. that's why i'm i'm glad i'm talking to you so let's just start like where where did you grow up so born in Texas and partly raised in, in Austin, Texas, yeah. but I uh, mostly grew up in Carson. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, really? 89 Carson High graduate. No kidding. Yeah. I was 96. Okay, yeah. Yeah, my brother was 92. I didn't know you went to Carson. That's So that's how the narcissistic Fred's tie is there, right? No, not really. Uh, I actually seem to recall meeting them. They, they may have a different recollection, but I, I seem to recall meeting them. Uh, through Zoinks, which was way past my oh, okay. Carson High days. Oh, okay. Like, I had already graduated college, uh, pretty close to graduated college uh, by the time Zoinks was getting uh, more out there and yeah, playing yeah. more regularly. Okay, so what was your... When did you start picking up the drums? Age 11 or 12, so sixth yeah. grade. Okay. Um, Borderwick. I oh, okay. Was, I was actually a trombone student yeah. for uh, a year... Two years, fifth and sixth grade, maybe sixth and seventh. And then uh, at Carson Junior High, I guess it's middle school now, um, I switched to drums to the chagrin of C.J. Birch, the band director there. You probably know C.J. Yes, he was He's my great teacher guy. in high school. Yeah, that guy, I mean, he was a, he was a, he was funny and very, he was stressed a lot yeah. dealing with middle school kids but and high school kids but and we didn't make his life easy by yeah. any stretch but I've seen him a handful of times obviously since high school and and uh he's just a great guy and um I don't I don't know if he knows how much he really impacted yeah. my musical um my formative years as a budding student musician yeah. But yeah, he I actually didn't know turned. He me... was middle school. I was he, was he was high for school. a short time, I yeah. think, and then he went back to Carson High. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I, my memory's so terrible. Don't don't expect my dates to line up or anything like <laughs> That's that. That's all good. But, but yeah, he was. Um, he actually turned me on to. Uh, I, I guess a guy he was rooming with at the time who um, was here in Carson, maybe playing with some local show bands or something. I don't really know. Um, and he was kind of a jazz. Uh, 
player. Uh-huh. So that's who I, I, I had had a teacher before that just to get started in rock and yeah. metal. I played a lot of metal back in my high school days. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I really wanted to like, you know, do more than that. Cause metal drumming, although since the eighties has gotten way more technical and complex, yeah, but, yeah. um, uh, I, I started studying jazz and, and CJ, uh, Mr. Birch, uh, pretty much, I think, encouraged me to do that because if I was going to be a music major, which is what I was planning on in, in college, um, you really had, really had to have jazz chops. And, and actually, they, to be fair, they had to, you had to have chops playing in an orchestra, concert band, marching and all that stuff. And I, I was way less interested in, in that. Um, and back then, a music major was mostly you had to do a, a little bit of everything. And so when I became a music major in my first year of college, they're like, oh, well, you need to start studying marimba and things like that. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Like, I don't do notes, yeah. you know, I just do drum hits. So. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember your first band? Oh, yeah. It's called, uh, well, I forget the original name, Butt Juice or something stupid. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we were in a metal band called Atomic Gypsy in the 80s for about a year and a half or so. In Carson? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we played a few shows around there. And actually, I did, I take that back. My first band was a bar band that I was not even old enough to drive, yeah. but I was their drummer playing like rock, like Led Zeppelin, ACDC stuff. <laughs> and I don't think we ever actually played a gig. Yeah. But I, I seem to recall I was practicing with that band for quite a few months, but they would have to come pick me up and haul my drums and me, you know, and they were all older, like in their 20s and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, these guys are way old, you know, and they had like mustaches <laughs> right. and stuff. And I was like 14 or 15 going, what the heck? But yeah. I, it was a big challenge for me. And I, again, I don't think we actually ever played a gig, so I couldn't even tell you the name of that band. Yeah. Um, but uh, my buddy Jeff Moser, who's still down in Carson, is still yeah. ripping on bass down there. His brother Scott, right? Yeah, yeah. So he and I were like music buddies, and, and frankly, we still still are. Yeah. Um, and so he and I started, you know, he picked up bass right about the same time. Uh, that I picked up drums and it was all about heavy metal and yeah. glam rock right. and Motley Crue and um, Metallica and Anthrax and yeah. stuff like that. It was a lot of fun. It, well, I shouldn't say it was a lot of fun. It was the best way to escape what it was really like to grow up in a small town, yep. Nevada yeah. in the 1980s, yeah, which it. was freaking awful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I moved... From the bay, I moved from Carson, well, Reno to the bay. It was kind of eye opener. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, I love this. And I moved to Vegas for 10 years and then I moved back and I was like expecting something different, you know. And Carson has still got that small vibe where I'm like, it's oh, way better man. now. It's definitely way better. But I thought, dumb me, I haven't been there in so long. I was like, oh yeah, we're all, it's all good now. But then, you know, like during the election, the militia and stuff oh, was yeah. out, out there. And I was just like, dude, this is why I left. You know what I mean? Like, Well, I don't think most of those people were from Carson. Probably not. They were coming from surrounding areas, Bishop and, yeah, you know, parts, maybe parts of rural Nevada. Yeah, yeah. Um, For sure. But it kind of was like, ah, dang it. You know, yeah. that's this the small town. But it but, was it was rough. I don't mean rough like rough and tumble like we were getting our asses kicked every other week or right. anything like that. But it was just socially rough to grow up in Carson, um, especially. You know, I remember Jeff. You know, even was maybe quoted in the yearbook or the student newspaper of Carson High saying something like, uh, "Carson is a is a, a." I'm totally paraphrasing, but it's a pretty rough place to to live if you happen to be a little bit different. Yeah. And that was really my formative experience of, of high school. And I'll be honest, once I left high school and went off to college, I never went back. Yeah. You know, except for maybe some brief stays in yeah. the summer and stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So all through high school, you were in, in um, metal bands. When was your first exposure to punk rock? High school. Yeah. yeah it was actually heavy metal um, for me was really sort of, I mean, I, I take that back. I had been exposed to punk rock through MTV. Um, Sex Pistols, The Clash, you know, the early, early police stuff. Um, 
bands like that. U2 was really, yeah. uh, for me, a, a big influence. And I didn't, I don't, re, as much as I remember those bands from like 1980 or 81, you know, when MTV first came onto the scene uh, and they were playing a lot of that stuff, they really didn't resonate with me quite like they did when I was about 15. And people turned me, uh, a buddy of mine gave me a seven seconds record just to borrow. He brought it to school. Like mm-hmm. nobody carries records around right. anymore, but <laughs> back then we did. And um, he gave me a seven seconds record and I was like, oh, this is it. Like this is what I want to uh, be a part of, not this metal stuff. So yeah. I don't want to say I shut the door on metal. I right. still love metal. I, I, um, I still love list. Like we, my wife and I watched this show on HBO called Peacemaker. And if you haven't seen Peacemaker, it's a series, and it's just super ridiculous. But it has the best butt rock soundtrack yeah. you will ever hear yeah. in your life. Every episode, I'm like, oh my god, Faster Pussycat! I haven't heard that band in decades. I'm Holy. a huge uh, glam rock hair metal fan. I but got. Did you have you seen this, this seen show? Uh-uh. Oh, you got to watch this show, Peacemaker. It's yeah. on HBO Max or whatever. It is so good, and the music is incredible, and it fits with the show so oh, well. Cool. Um, and so, yeah, I was like digging up my old Hanoi Rocks, yeah. you know, stuff, uh, my LPs and stuff. Although I've sold a lot of that stuff, but yeah. but to me, punk rock it was like it. It really resonated for me in terms of like the politics and the social issues. Yeah. Whereas metal. That was just not there. Yeah. I mean, it was all just about being drunk and stupid and kind of white trash in, in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of right. what I saw with metal back right. in those days. Um, and I didn't want to be a part of that uh, necessarily, or I was, it just didn't fit with my personality. But then I was like, holy crap, I started listening to Seven Seconds like religiously and The Clash again, kind of revisited The Clash, um, you know, bands like U2 early earlier u2 up mm-hmm. to like rattle and hum where they were also a big influence on me um and some rap too like by the time i got to college i was like public enemy like yeah. whoa yeah this band is crazy good you know yeah. <laughs> um so yeah and by the time i went to college i went and saw um you know that was in the early 90s but you know a couple years into college i was going to gelman street you know a lot yeah in the 90s early 90s do you remember who you saw Oh, God, I saw so many great bands. I saw um, Fugazi at, at Gilman oh, Street. Wow. I saw No Effects. I saw Face to Face. I saw um, Spitboy a handful of times. And then, of course, you know, Ryland Street. We saw yeah. a lot of those bands yeah. there, too. Um, who else did I see at Gilman Street? I don't know. Tons of bands. Yeah, that's like, cool. Oh, um, Warlock Pinchers. Do you ever listen uh-huh. to that? Oh, never heard of them. You gotta listen to Warlock okay. Pinchers. They were way ahead of their time. They yeah. were like it was a drum machine and like four guys, I yeah. think, two maybe two bassists and a guitarist, or I don't remember. Um, yeah, doing like super just fast, loud, heavy kind of white rap, and it was really punk rock. Oh, that's and cool. They were like spitting on people, and they were getting spit on back. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. do you, so, do you remember your first punk rock show that you went? Oh to? yeah, Bad Brains here in oh, Reno. No yeah. kidding. Over on Kitsky Lane. Wow. Yeah, Bad Brains. Incredible. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. This band is insane. Wow, they that were is crazy awesome. good. The dude was doing his backflips and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I haven't really listened to them much since then, yeah. but um, that was a great show. And I want to say the Yobs opened up. Hmm, I don't know who that is. Oh, you don't know the Yobs from Carson? Uh-uh. Oh, dude. I'm, okay. I, I, like I said, I graduated you in 96. The Yobs I, were yeah. a lot of... How do I say this nicely? A lot of people didn't like them. Yeah. I love them. Yeah, they they thought that the guys um, and I, and I, I was friends with one or two of the guys on Facebook for a couple of years, like a few years ago. Yeah, and I don't think we're we're still friends anymore. But um, the vocalist had kind of a nasally, kind of whiny voice. But yeah. I saw them play a couple times, and I was like, oh man, I love these guys. And um, they were just kind of this wild band from like Silver City and or Silver Gold Hill, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and and Carson and they were just, you know, they looked like, you know, they kind of came out of a mine, but were also into punk rock. You yeah. know, they were just kind of like these yeah. these weird dudes. But they they were just, in my opinion, a great old Reno Carson punk band. Yeah, you can you can find them on some really old like comps that like oh, Kevin Seconds put out. This is exactly why I wanted to talk to you because yeah. it's like I love 
opening my eyes up to the scene that I missed. You know, yeah, what I mean? like that's what it's about. But they so. were they the yobs were way on their way out by the time I saw. Them. Oh, okay. Like they were just playing like their last few gigs. Gotcha. Yeah, by the time I saw them, probably in yeah. eighty five or eighty six. Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah. So um, after your metal bands and you and you started learning about punk rock, mm-hmm. is that was Zoinks your first punk band or were you in something before that? Um, no. So my brother and Jeff and, and this guy Colin and a few of us from the metal uh, scene, we started doing like a punk rock cover band in Carson. We played one or two shows. Oh, okay. Um, probably in 88, 80, yeah. 89, I would guess. Um, played like a skate jam at, at the Carson Community Center or something. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, my but God. That's yeah, awesome. it was yeah. just wild stuff. Um you know, especially for being young and being in Carson City. Um, but it was good. It was cool. And then I went to college for, I went to the Bay Area, San, San Jose State for a year. Okay. And I played in a couple different things down there, but nothing that really, like, performed live or anything. Okay. Um, but then I moved to, to Reno to go to UNR. Um, I guess that would have been 1990. And started a band called Psychiatric Petting Zoo. With, I just I literally posted up flyers around campus and at Bizarre Guitar. Those were, like, the only places I could think. Right. I said band or uh musicians wanted i don't remember like must be into seven seconds fugazi and primus or something like yeah. that and uh uh just random people um called me and i found a guy named robert olesevich and who's still a, a pretty good friend of this day although we don't really talk or see each other much and we started this band, and um, he was really into Seven Seconds too. He was from Vegas, okay, but he was at, going to school at UNR, um, and just various uh, bassists, guitarists, and we did that for two years, maybe two, yeah. three years. Yeah. Put a put out, you know, played a handful of shows around Reno, and actually, I think that band is is we played a show with. Um, uh, Lodestar. I don't know if you remember L O D E S T A R. That was Leah. Um, Leah, who was also in, um, oh boy, I'm so bad with names and trivia. It's another okay. great Reno band. Yeah. It was like a noise kind of band. And we just played a show because there was very few of us doing that back in the 90s around Reno. Yeah. It's Gob and Lodestar and um, our band, although we were more like funky, punky, rap-ish kind of. Um, but that's where I met Zach. And he handed me a demo tape and it just said Zoinks. And, um, you know, had some stuff, and it was their very first uh, EP, but just, like, kind of demo recorded, I want to say. Um, He says, hey, we're looking for a drummer. Our guy got married and, you know, has a kid on the way. He's like, like, would you be interested in playing? I'm like, yeah. Well, I listened to it. I'm like, holy crap, this is kind of music I really want to play. Yeah. So I joined that, and the other band kind of fizzled out, and... Did that, I guess, from 93, around 93, I guess, yeah, 93, 94 to, uh, I guess we sort of officially broke up in 98. We mm-hmm. toured Europe okay. uh, for about six weeks. and. Uh, so you're not on that first EP? No. No. I had a different drummer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because my question was, I, one of my questions was going to be, I've seen um, a red cover and a black and white cover, and I'm like, what's that all about? Do you, do you know? Yeah, one was Satan's Pimp, and then I don't remember what oh, happened, but okay. I ended up releasing it on my own little label and kind of launched my label with a few of those smaller releases. What is your um, label? Second Guest Records. Oh, okay. Yeah, I put out maybe eight or nine things, a oh. few CDs. Um, uh, nothing that really like super caught on well, yeah. um, aside from the Zoink stuff. So yeah, yeah I, think, I think they wanted to, Satan's Pimp maybe wanted to do a limited run. Like, you know, limit it to 500 or 1,000, then yeah. we're done. And we're like, well, no, we want to do more. And they're like, well, then you can put it out. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I remember it. Yeah. I could be wrong, but um, I think that's what happened. Um, I don't I don't know for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they put out, I think, the first two or three CDs. Okay. So us. how, or, how uh, did... Uh, EPs, um, not CDs. Yeah. What, where is Satan's Pimp? Is that a local... That was uh, John Cortland and Darren Barnes. I'm still friends with Darren. I still talk to him and see him on occasion. Uh, Great guy, great drummer. Um, John, I see way less regularly, although I hear he is back in town. I saw him this last summer. He's back in Reno. I think he lived in the Bay Area for a long time um, after leaving Reno. So he um, is back in town, at least as of last summer. 
and um, I don't know what he's doing. They kind of morphed, like Gob morphed into like more some other things, like they kind of fizzled apart. And to me, by the way, Gob, I should say, Gob and Lodestar were like two of my favorite bands uh, from Reno from there's the a, 90s. There's a couple Gobs though, right? Uh, there's Gob Canada and then the, the Reno Gob. Because I love one of the gobs, and I had no idea they were from Reno. Is it really noisy? No, super pop punk. That would be Gob Canada. Oh, would? I, I believe, yeah. Okay. No, Gob Reno was like super just like out there, like yeah. noisy, but it was almost like performance art too. Okay. You know, the way they did their their live shows. Yeah. And they were, I mean, we were all kind of like art students up at UNR, and we got together and just they would do these just nutty kinds of things. And yeah, in the, yeah it was great. We played yeah. like Zephyr Bar and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I played the Zephyr back in the day. Yeah. That place was cool. A little too smoky. It's way better well, now. Well, yes. It's I mean, any way bar back now. in the day, smoky yeah. sucked. But, yeah. you know, it was cool because it was this weird little loft in there. And, like, I haven't been there in a long time. So it's what... really cool now. You oh, should check it? Yeah, the Z Bar. And actually, their outdoor patio, they like finally did it right. Like the, I don't know who the new owner is, but they, they've turned it into a nice place to yeah. go drink. I don't drink anymore, but yeah. yeah, a nice place to go drink and just chill out. It's really nice. I remember playing a show there when I, I lived in the Bay and I was in a band. And I don't know how we got the show, but remember uh, my wife always liked this band called Butt Trumpet, and I never really took it serious. And I remember at the Zephyr, there was a sticker there, butt trumpet. I'm like, oh my god, it does exist. You know, I saw like, 15 play at oh, Zephyr no Bar. Wow, man, that's cool. And some neo Nazis came out and were sig highlighting them. No kidding. Yeah, Jeez, it was man. insane. Yeah, that's crazy. That was back when neo Nazis were pretty rampant around here. I, I think that happened with Swinging Utters here too, right? I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So, what was the first official release you were on? Do you well, it would have been psychiatric petting zoo stuff. Yeah, I but I mean zoinks wise. Oh, zoinks! Uh, the second EP. Um, I got it. Right yeah, here. the, the, the uh, seven inches. Or was that the split with narcissistic? No, it would have been the sapsucker. Oh, sapsucker. Yeah, I think we recorded that out in uh, the North Valleys. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, a little half inch eight track. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. sounds good, man. I'll, really? I'll listen to it again. <laughs> yeah, I haven't listened to that stuff in a long time. The very beginning of it has got this kind of gritty and you're like okay and it I, it sounds great man i've awesome. always Thank i've you. always liked that stuff yeah um so that was your f- first official release yeah, so I you think, guys i think we did that demo like we went into a guy's garage studio and he he knew what he was doing and um but again recording was a lot more expensive back then. Oh, yeah. Um, because so you, you guys were paying for it yourself. Oh, yeah, and it was probably an hourly or a daily rate, and yeah. you probably did like two or three days to do two songs, yeah. maybe. I yeah. don't know. That's crazy. And then a mix, and then he you know, mails you a cassette. I don't know. Maybe we went had to go out yeah. there. I can't remember. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was out in the North Valleys. And then the, the f- split with the Freds, I think we did those tunes uh, in the Ryland Street basement. Oh, okay. On a little um, eight-track cassette oh, that's cool man yeah that's awesome yeah. i love that stuff yeah that's just, that's just so cool i miss like recording like that man like i mean because you have to be good it's not like now now like we my band just recorded and it was just like nah do it again nah do it again Split yeah and things you can together. do it like in a place like this now yeah i mean, I mean just, the rooms sound like crap so yeah, you gotta work around that right, but. but it's just insane what what i don't know uh, one of the questions i had was like looking through your guys' stuff you did so many splits and so many seven inches was there a reason for that like that was the thing back then it was just the thing it was it a money thing because nowadays seven inches are outrageously expensive you know or was it just you just put seven inches out because you're not going to put out a single tape right right um you know i think i think the seven inch was sort of like the entry into the music scene like Okay, now we have this thing. We have the seven inch yeah. out. Now we can start playing more shows. And I think, again, my my recollection isn't great, but I I seem to recall it was probably to establish yourself and develop a sort of like a, for lack of a better term, a portfolio. Yeah. Um, well, because to me it was always like a seven inch is so punk. Like you yeah. have to have seven inch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But as I'm thinking about the time, it was, you know, CDs. And tapes, right? Yeah, like, CDs were like so. Our first CD, obviously, was the Bad Move Space Cadet, 
and even then we had to like the the way that came about was pretty weird too not not like it wasn't weird it was just like we really um had to put a lot of pieces together to make that happen we're like so we had put out i guess three seven inches Mm -hmm. one of which was a split um and then we said okay we we've done the three playing shows locally let's let's see what see what else we can do so we went to the bay area and report, recorded with kevin army uh six songs over the course of i want to say two days yeah i looked him up today and i i had no idea that that was recorded by him he did like green day up ivy mr t experience was that mm-hmm. did you guys do that on purpose oh yeah you knew who he yeah was? we're like kevin army's the guy like that's who we have to record with so we somehow we got a got a hold of him called him or sent him a letter yeah. or something and said, hey, you know, we've got like 600 bucks. Can we do two days? And um, he set us up in this studio and did his thing, and it was really uh, raw but fun and spontaneous. Um, Sounds pretty good, too. Um, It was our first, like, real sort of real recording uh, situation. Real studio. Well, it was actually a garage studio behind somebody's house. Yeah, but it was but it was set up for recording. It was all built for recording and it had a sound, you know, room and um, for recording booths and all that stuff. So it was a real studio, but it was just basically a garage that had been converted. I think. Um, So I think what happened then is we sent that those six tunes to Doctor Strange Records. And the dude practically sent a record contract back to us. Wow. And we were like, holy crap. Like, it does work. <laughs> well, yeah. And we had, I, we, I'm sure we included the seven inches. Yeah. And, and uh, we had sent it to Lookout and probably Fat Records. And, you know, we, I think we sent him to as many labels as we thought would have us. Yeah. And Dr. Strange wrote us back and called us. Uh, Bill Plaster is the guy's name. He's a great guy. Yeah. Um, and signed us. He's like, can you do two albums or three albums? I forget what it was. And he's like, here's what you get out of it. Um, and that was that. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, so, so then he paid for the second half of the recording, which okay. we had to go back and then do more recording uh, same to finish place. that album. Same guy, same think place. so. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely Kevin Army. Yeah. And I think it was at the same place. Yeah. Doctor Strange is, is so huge to me and... Um, couple of my friends because zoinks yeah and face to face and yeah. you know i lived voodoo in vegas blow skulls voodoo that's right yeah. voodoo yeah. i got a bunch of seven inches from yeah back in the day and uh schlep rock yeah and rhythm um, collision yeah yeah sort. rhythm collision um um the ska band he had on there uh for a for uh, an lp or two did um, he have a um, skank and pickle yeah was on there. So i was gonna say is an asian man records yeah. guy yeah 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 well i was i lived in vegas for for years and i was like didn't really realize he had a real record store, you know, Doctor Strange. And I think I, he opened that after we had been on the label for a little bit. Yeah, but I was so excited. You know, nobody else in the band was like, I'm like, we have to stop at Doctor Strange. I'm oh, like, yeah. Why? I'm like, dude, like, like that's what introduced me to punk rock. Yeah. You know, like, and, and to this day, like, there's a Zoinks poster in there that I'm just like. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's a, I took a picture of it years ago. I have it on Instagram or something, but I was like. I don't know, and just the logo and everything about Doctor Strange. I'm, I'm still like, I love that label, man. Like, yeah, it, cool label. They, Voodoo, they Voodoo Glow Skulls just put out their newest album on back on Doctor Strange. No way. Yeah, I, I missed them it. when they were here in Sparks a, a month or two ago. Me too. Um, I, but I, I looked at the lineup and it looked like they were way different members. Frank Voodoo's not with them anymore. That was the main, the lead guy. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, and I, it looked like a different drummer too, maybe. I think there's some younger guys in there. I think just two of the brothers are in there. But yeah, it's a, it's definitely a different band. But I was like, no, no Voodoo without Frank. And then my buddy was like, no, nah, give it a chance. And then I listened it was to good. it. And then I'm like. Huh? And then I'm like, ask my wife because she loves voodoo too, and she's like, you know what? It works. I'm like, okay, I'll check it, it out. It works. Yeah. Like it's it's yeah. okay, but it yeah, I yeah. missed them too. They're playing in Tahoe pretty soon. I mean, it's not the same, but you know, bands change, man. Yeah, yeah, and, bands change. Yeah, and stuff happens. And so after you guys put out um, Bad Move, did did things change for you? Like, was Doctor Strange distributing that nationally? internationally internationally yeah yeah we were in japan and everywhere um 
Yeah, so we, we actually, when we went to Europe in 98, people like knew our songs and yeah. were singing along and stuff. It was very flattering. Did um, Doctor Strange help you guys book tours? And Yeah, so that was the deal. It's like it was kind of, a, it wasn't a typical indie or major label kind of arrangement. It was more like, here's all the stuff we're going to do for you, tour support, um, you know, give you a certain number of T-shirts to sell, and we'll ship them on the tour and oh, all wow, that kind of stuff. Cool. and. And then um, paid for the recordings and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, his distribution network plus all of his contacts. He did connect us with a booker. I think it was on our first tour with Mandingo, the big national one, um, to support that release, who ended up being a not a good guy and, oh, and no. ripped us off. Oh, man. Yeah, and left us high and dry in a few places. Yeah. So we ended up having to, like, mid-tour fire the guy and—, and arrange our own contacts with the the venues we were still yeah. booked at um so i remember that being a little rough but yeah we, we just made it happen and went through it i think that's cool so then what was um what was next on the agenda after bad move well i think that's when um if i recall correctly zach wanted to add a second guitar okay vocal so we we got arnie and we had played a few shows with arnie's uh, other bands and um like when we had played in California. So we knew him and liked him and said, hey, do you want to do it? And he actually moved here to do to be in Zoinks. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is a pretty big move. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was, I just remember those years, you know, I graduated college in 94 and between 94 and 98, like really rough financially. Right. You know, we were all living in houses where there'd be like four of us living in a three-bedroom yeah. house kind of thing. and. And just that kind of stuff. And um, you, you could, you know, if you were going to tour in a small punk band, it was feasible. But whether or not you had rent money when you got back home was a whole different story. Yeah. And that was the toughest part. So we would get jobs in between tours. And you couldn't really tell them, like, hey, I'm only going to yeah, be here for three right. months because we got another tour coming up. Yeah. So you would go get this job and work for three or four months. And it was not very, it didn't pay very well. But, you know, the economy in Reno back then was such that you could get away with doing that. You know, you could, yeah. you know, share a house or a living situation with somebody and make rent and food and everything you needed. Um, just work in a kind of a low-paying job. And I don't think that really exists anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. But even back then, it was tough to do that. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, I saw the this other release, the Whatever and Zoinks hit Europe. That was our European promotional release kind of thing, yeah. Are those songs that are on anything else? No. Well, wait. Because um, I looked at them, and I was like, I don't recognize these. And I was like, I didn't know this even existed until I'd have to look week. at it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think three of the songs we had recorded when we had done our last U.S. tour out in Wisconsin. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure. Sh- and I think maybe the other three were from... Um, the last full length we had done, uh, just with Arnie and uh, Rob and I. Okay. Yeah. So was that? I could be wrong though. I'd have yeah. to go look at the track list. So and... was that for your European tour? You guys yeah. put that together just for that? Yeah, exactly. We toured with whatever. Okay. And, and uh, we toured in the same van and oh, okay. had That's all cool. the same experiences with those guys. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and I mean. I'm looking at the the list here. Like you did a split with Mandingo. Is that yeah. because that was you were friends a, with them, or because that it was, was a Doctor Strange? Strange thing? Yeah, so and he they, set it up. Yeah, we toured with them, so okay. it was sort of like um, I think that was two songs from the Bad Moose Space Cadet, or maybe one plus another one that we didn't release. Yeah. I don't remember. Um, and then they're like, "Hey, we'll do a split, and that'll be the promo for the tour." Oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. They don't do stuff like that anymore. You know? What no, I mean? it's, yeah. it's just so random it was like kind of thought out back then you know what i mean yeah it was like how can we maximize yeah. our i mean not huge... being popular but yeah trying to become more popular yeah. i guess like huge bands they do that because they have that money but little punk bands they don't do that little you know splits anymore and go on tour together and yeah i was just talking to jason drastic about black crosses i'm like let's do a split i'm like i'll do all the work mm-hmm. all you gotta do is show up yeah like I've never done a split. It's so punk. Let's do it. Yeah, it's cool. And it's like, yeah. I've talked to a couple other bands that are just like, eh. I'm like, dude, 
Yeah. I don't know. It's not like it used to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's yeah. Just, so how did you guys hook up with the game? Oh, um, probably shows in L.A. and just kind just of becoming friends with them. Yeah, those they were they were that was a great band. Yeah, um, good band. But I remember I just I only remember the gain from Zoinks. You know, them yeah. always coming. You guys, it was always them and Scared of Chaka. It was, it was yeah. always like kind of this yeah. related family. You know what I mean? Yeah, was like, yeah. We were pretty good friends with those guys too. Yeah. Like when we, you know, on that Zoinks Mandingo tour, we. We went to Albuquerque, and I think we had had had, had a couple cancellation shows or something. Yeah. So we were scheduled to do a couple things there, and um, something fell through. I don't remember. So we ended up doing like a, it was like an afternoon house show on a Sunday or or something. Yeah. It was just a, maybe ten or twelve, twenty people there. Yeah. I don't not too many, but it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And what about um, like no empathy? Oh, so yeah, that was. Uh, um, what tour was that? I don't think that was the Mandingo tour. It's, it was 95, it says here. Mandingo was 96. But at least the split was put out in 95. Oh, then that would have been the Mandingo tour. I think we just, we were in Chicago for a couple of days, maybe, and recorded those two songs there at a studio. They they covered all that um, and did the split um, with No Empathy and... Uh, they put it out on that record yeah, label. Joanne's face record. Yeah, Johan's face. Oh, Johan's. Yeah. So it was just kind of like some of this stuff is just random. It yeah, just happened. Yeah, it just happened. It yeah, just happened. like those songs so we cool. recorded in Wisconsin were like the last n- new songs that I think that we ever really did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we and we played two or three of them on the very last U.S. tour. And yeah. I'm guessing probably Europe too. Yeah. yeah. So how was the european tour like compared to america i know i mean i've talked to other people who say like europeans kind of like music more than americans i mean i don't know like live wise could you tell a difference you know europe was um how do i describe europe Europe was weird. We had we had like almost everywhere we went, there was going to be at least somebody there that had heard from us or heard of us and listened to us. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're you know very friendly and obviously there and would bring a few people. Uh, some shows like I remember we opened for Snuff in uh, Norwich, England. That's awesome. I love Snuff. Oh my god! And that place was just mobbed. It was packed. Yeah. And. Um, uh, because of snuff, not because oh, of, of course. us. Because we've of played course. a bunch of shows in England, and they were nowhere near yeah. <laughs> uh, as packed as that. Um, Europe was cool. It was really nice to get out of your American bubble and yeah. see how other people live, and you know, just different ways people live in the world and exist. And and it was way more, especially in Italy, like way more like communal, and um, people touch each other more. Yeah. Like you know, here in America, like. We yeah. just, we're not very touchy-feely or we tend yeah. not to be it but in Europe like they would hang all over you and we're like dude what are you doing like get off me yeah. <laughs> um, Europe was great and then we played in uh, Sardinia so we had to take like an overnight boat trip to this island of Sardinia and yeah. played a show there and that was a lot of fun too um, just a great experience I, yeah. I think that's the best way to put it is a great experience it was it was very uh, tiring and trying too. Like yeah. every time I went on tour, I always got sick. Yeah, and I would have like the flu or something nasty for like three or four days, and I would still have to play shows yeah. and wow. drive and just feeling like crap. So <laughs> yeah. So at this time, were you guys like, all right, this we're going to try to make this our job, or was it still in the back of your mind like this is a hobby? Yeah, I think we wanted to. I mean, ideally, that would have been where we went. But yeah. I, honestly, by the time. I remember very vividly um, when we left Europe, the goal was uh, a bunch of us were going to move to Portland, Oregon, actually, and move up there. Oh, okay. Um, but pretty quickly on in the tour, I realized the money that we thought we were going to be getting was not coming in. And so I was having trouble like thinking, like, holy crap, what do I do when I get home? Yeah. And what I did was I moved all my... I, stayed a few more days at the house where I'd been living um, 
and put all my stuff in storage and then basically was kind of homeless for three months yeah. <laughs> while I worked a job and yeah. slept on uh, Rob's mom's uh, uh, in her spare bedroom. Because <laughs> you knew you were going to go on tour again? No, we had broken up. Oh, yeah, really? by the time we got back to in 98, I think we realized that uh, the, the Portland plan was probably not going to happen. Yeah. And, uh, or maybe we still thought it was. That's right, because Ro- uh, Rob, Rob and his uh, wife did move up to Portland, but that was short-lived. That was for maybe six, nine months or something. Mm. Yeah. And I never made the move, and then they ended up coming back, but Arnie stayed there. Yeah. Yeah, went ended up going to law school. So you're gonna, you guys are gonna move the band to yeah. Portland. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. Like why out of? I don't Reno? remember why. Yeah. <laughs> I, really I mean, Portland's don't. a cool town, but it's, it's a lot. Like, well, why Portland not? in '98 was, um, I think, a little bit different from what it is now. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the, you know, you had the whole the whole Northwest scene was really huge in the '90s, and it wasn't just because of the Nirvana thing. I mean, like yeah. Portland, uh, Seattle, Olympia. Um, kind of the surrounding areas of those communities were really hopping musically. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you guys, what is the record that Zach's not on? Well and Good? Well and Good, yeah. So he had left and you guys kept going? Correct. Okay. Yeah. He had gone out on tour, I think, with Squirt Gun. And we were starting to hear, like, rumors that he had broke up Zoinks. We're like, he did? Wait, what? (laughs) It's news to us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and so I remember Arnie and I were like, we called Rob, or we all just sat down. And was like, well, and we had been writing material for our third album. Yeah, um, without With, without Zach, without Zach, gotcha. and we're like, well, let's just keep writing and yeah. see what happens. And that's and, what we did. And Doctor Strange still wanted to put that out. Like you, your relationship with them was still fine without Zach. I think so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Although we that record cost a lot of money, and I don't think it made, made the money. Honestly, to me, it was like the best record performance wise and sound wise that we did yeah um and again that was kevin army um that was recorded in a another kind of like studio in the bay area east bay um i don't remember the name of the studio but uh what was really cool about that place was that it had two inch um 16 channel tape oh okay yeah, and I think prior to that, we had always done everything on either one. Or maybe, was it two inch or one inch? I can't remember, but yeah. uh, we'd always kind of been on the lower level formats of like, you know, one inch tape or half inch tape or something, which is not bad. But, you know, once you get to that one inch thicker tape, you get a much more beefier in your face kind of yeah. sound. Um, so that was well and good. And I think we recorded that over the course of like five days and then spent another couple days few weeks down the road mixing it yeah did yeah. um dr strange put that out on vinyl oh yeah yeah and i've got some wicked cool vinyl well i may have sold yeah like blue marble yeah and stuff. <laughs> he did cool. some gr- crazy like like one-off like color combinations those all, cool. all those releases yeah so then the the panorama was like a 10 inch that was, that was recorded. before yeah that was recorded um that was a that was a weird recording. That was the Sonic Iguana, right? Yeah, ish. Uh, oh, okay. Most of it it was recorded there over a really prolonged week that for five or six song, songs should not have taken that long. Um, I'm usually pretty good. I can knock out drums on a full length within two days. You know, I'm usually can do that. For whatever reason, I think we spent five days yeah. and we still weren't done. Wow. And we had to come back here and go to Granny's to oh, do like okay. guitar and vocal overdubs. And it was just, I don't know what the hell happened with that, but it was, it took way too long. It cost way too much money. It yeah. was like a cluster for like a recording <laughs> process. Yeah. It sounds good, um, but it was just not a good scene. And yeah. I, I, to this day, don't really know why. <laughs> yeah. So then, after, when you guys put out that well and good, how long did you guys? I mean, did, were you playing shows to oh, yeah. support that? Mm-hmm. And then, how did you guys end up stopping? We we did the a, a U.S. tour. I think it was in the fall of '97. Um, yeah. And then we did the summer. Probably did a few shows, you know, after that, and then the summer of '98 is when we toured uh, Europe. Oh, okay. Yeah. When was the Hawaii show? Didn't you play with 96? That was, was 96? I think that was the 
Was that? That was after the Mandingo tour. So that would have been at the start of another tour. But that was like a pretty, that was a huge show, right? Oh, God, that was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've never played to an audience like that. <laughs> so was that like the taste of like, oh, man we got to keep doing this type taste? Or was it like you knew it was like, eh, this is probably a one-off? Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, if we did that in 96 and then obviously we toured Europe and had a tour or two in between, then um, I think we had probably seen the writing on the wall that it was going to be a slog to try to break break out beyond what we had done. Right. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So how did that Hawaii show come about? Is that a Doctor Strange thing? Um, no, I think we developed that connection with the guy who um, we we somehow had connected with with this Hawaiian band called Grapefruit, great guys and a three piece and really fast and quirky kind of ska. I don't know how to describe him, just like kind of a quirky, fast, very energetic. Yeah. Um, band out of Hawaii and I, I, I can't remember if they connected with us and then we connected with them and then they had this guy who was booking a bunch of shows and I guess he worked for Golden Voice or something okay. and that's how the Green Day thing happened hmm. okay so then what happened after Zoinks what did you do honestly I mean were you heartbroken um, or were you like I'm, no, I'm ready I I mean I was I was heartbroken for a whole other host of non-musical <laughs> right. reasons i um you know ultimately i i ended up going to grad school okay uh, is what happened and um actually rob and rob and i with our wives um started a band and we we just did that for about four or five years just um writing kind of experimental pop type okay. tune, tunes i can give you a, i can send you a link to a yeah, recording totally. of that. what was that called it's called prima volta oh, okay yeah so but it was just the four of us and we um we only played, I, I think the joke I always said about that band was we were around for five years and we played about five shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we played the Zephyr Bar opening for Mates of State of oh, all. okay. Mates, like of State. Mates of State. Yeah, they were a great band yeah. um, of all things. Uh, yeah, so we, we did that for about five years while we were in school. Okay. You know, I think, um, you know, my wife was working and, and I was going to school and I think maybe Rob was going to the school too and... Um, yeah, so it was just kind of a a way to just keep making music. And yeah. then after that fizzled out, I honestly did not do music for a handful of years. Yeah. And I, I actually uh, almost gave it up altogether. Yeah. Like, um, then my wife and I, we moved into this house in 2002 out in the North Valleys where I actually had a drum room off the garage. Wow. And I remember I moved in, and it took me months before I even took the drums out of their cases. And, uh, and then um, I don't know what happened. Maybe Zo then Zoinks kind of got to back back together again right. a couple times just to do a few shows. Yeah, um, most of which weren't that good. Um, well, no, there I'd say about half were good. And then the right, you guys half. went to Baltimore or something, right? Yeah, yeah. So that, what what like did Zach call you out of the blue and was like, "Hey, I'm thinking about doing some Zoinks stuff"? And I don't remember. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because there's uh, like that that pop punk festival in Baltimore, yeah, Insubordination right? Fest. Yeah, so I, it was it was for that, right? Yeah, I think maybe that's what happened. Yeah. Is we got back together for that, and then did some stuff here, or vice versa. Maybe yeah. we did stuff here, then that came up, and they wanted us to play. Um, in was fact, I we we got a message. I want to say two three months ago, and the person said, "Name your price, get Zoinks back to L.A., and I'll pay it." And I said, no. Yeah. Not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. It sucks. Um, the band I was in after all that, so in the mid-2000s, mid, mid 2000s, uh, was called The Firebombing. Oh, okay. So we played around a lot around the Reno area. Yeah. And that was a really good band to be in. And Who's in that band? Todd Imus. Um, he plays with Jevin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he was our sort of our lead guy. Um, Travis Calvert, who I played in basement tapes with, was okay. on guitar for I think the first half of that band. Um, I think we had a couple different bass players. Um, Cody Munger played bass. Guy Garrett, who was also in basement tapes, was in that band. Um, and we did that for about four years. We yeah. played a few shows at Whiskey Dicks and 
a couple shows in Carson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Did you guys um, record? Any yeah, we have two CDs. Yeah, yeah, and uh, remind me, I'll send you some okay. links to all, all yeah. this stuff. Yeah, we did two CDs. One we did ourselves, and then one we did with Andy uh, Ernst out of the Bay Area, who had also done a ton of the Lookout bands. Okay. Uh, that was a lot of fun. That was a cool project. Yeah. Um, recording that CD. But this time you were kind of focusing on your career and not music, right? Yeah, I had you know had my full time job and um, kind of bounced around different jobs at the the state and yeah. UNR and stuff. Um, yeah, so I had I had had a full time job, so it was a good time to be in a band as yeah. kind of a, a side right. hobby thing. Yeah, yeah. So when did um, this is Reno come about? Because that's two thousand and nine. Right? Okay. Yeah. So this is Reno dot com is is my Reno news website. Yeah. And um, we do a lot of. Um, investigative arts and entertainment um government education news coverage yeah um and i still do some punk rock things through there every now and again yeah. but not not so much like i try to get bands in there or on the podcast sometimes i'll throw a punk band on or yeah, something yeah. you know that kind of thing yeah, but, yeah. is that your full-time gig uh, time-wise, yes. Um, uh, <laughs> money-wise, it's it's a half-time gig. I, yeah. I still work half-time at UNR. Oh, okay. Yeah, for the past. I was there for about six years, left. Did some piecemeal work for a few years on and off with them, yeah. and then I got asked again in 2017 to do some more work, and then uh, I said, yeah, we, you know, we put this cool project together, but then it became a situation of like, well, look um, – if you're going to keep me on and you need to either pay me as an independent contractor or hire me half time. And they don't like doing independent contractor relationships up there. So I'm a half time employee technically gotcha. is what I am. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and what, uh, so what other bands? So, yeah. Um, so after firebombing, um, I was in notch eight and it's a real oh, okay, uh, yeah. Americana band. Yeah. yeah um, that's right. Uh, That's when I remember um, John Butler was like, and I was like, is that Bob from Soinks? And then, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Um, we, I don't know. I assume he's still down there. James Wilsey down in Carson. And he had been kind of in the scene too. And we had sort of known each other from the 90s, but uh, he had been in a band, I think it was called The Trainwrecks or something. Mm -hmm. It's a rockabilly. So he's, okay. a, he's kind of a big rockabilly guy. Gotcha. And, uh, very talented um vocalist and can just sing amazingly yeah um so we i did that for about four years did a lot of like johnny cash and elvis and stuff like that and we were kind of a party band and we would get paid to do wedding gigs and stuff and it was crazy it's and, just kind of a weird transition though not really you considering know. you think i i i mean you know i played in the carson city chamber orchestra in high school the, gotcha. the jazz band i Right. I studied Brazilian percussion for a semester. That's in right. I college. forgot you went to school. And yeah, and so I, I did a lot of is, yeah. I yeah. did a lot of that stuff. And in fact, I'm the the other band I'm in now is called Stones Throw. It was some friends of ours from Notch Eight. Um, they were in a bluegrass. They were called um, Hickory Switch. So we played a, a few shows with them. They were more bluegrass, but now we're doing more like um, rock, countryish type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how about Basement Tapes? Basement Tapes is a great band. Yeah, that was Garrett and Travis who were both in the firebombing. And then uh, Amy is uh, married to Travis, and then my wife Deb played bass uh, are, in that. Are these bands that you're forming, or you're always asked to be? Oh, so Basement Tapes, yeah. So Travis, how did that happen? Travis had started the band. Obviously, it had been a few years since the firebombing. And um, something happened was it with this bass player and drummer that I don't remember what. And so he literally called Deb and I and said, can you guys come and play bass? We've got a show booked in seven days. And I and we're like, um, I'm like, sure. <laughs> I hadn't been playing for, yeah. uh, you know, six months or eight months or whatever. Yeah. And Deb was petrified. She's like, no way. Can I haven't, she's like, I haven't played bass in like 10 years. And, and uh, so we kind of made her do it. Yeah. And, and she said, that was the worst gig I've ever played in my life. <laughs> and thank God there was only like 20 people yeah. there. It was at the Saint down here gotcha. in, in Midtown yeah. or whatever it's called now. But um, not a great gig. But then we just kept going, and we got Garrett in there, and Amy um, was doing a lot more vocals. And and that was a fun band to be in. And yeah. we just kind of 
fizzled out about a year ago, yeah. April of 2021. Yeah. Honestly, some of it I think was really pandemic yeah, related. For sure. You know, we had to, we were just like, we would stop practicing for a couple months while we were like, what the heck is going on? And yeah. then we'd get together and practice and we were all wearing masks and yeah. it was just weird. And, yeah. Um, so yeah, we just fizzled out. We just kind of stopped practicing. Yeah. I'm still great friends with all those folks. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, they're going to be lifelong friends. Yeah. I think. That's cool. Yeah. So what's your music gig now? Uh, so we're doing, uh, obviously the band with Pierre. In fact, yeah. I don't mean to be rude, but I got to hit the road cause we got practice in like yeah. a half hour. No problem. Um, yeah. So Pierre just out of the blue a few months ago just said, Hey, what are you doing musically? And I said, um, uh, not much, because I think Basement Tapes, by the, obviously, had kind of fizzled out. And, and I think um, Katie and Mark had hit me up right around the same time. Um, and I had known that Pierre was doing his solo thing during the pandemic, but I honestly hadn't listened to it. Um, and then he sent sent me the link to um, the Spotify or the the Apple, and I was like, holy crap, this is really good. Yeah, yeah and I was so honored uh, because my, I always tell people my two favorite punk drummers are Pierre Marche and Tony Moat from from Seven Seconds. And um, for Pierre to ask me to play drums for him, I'm like, okay, who did he go to first that got turned down? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, and um, he asked me, and I'm like, really? You want me to do that? I'm like, I, at first I was like, I'm not even sure. I, I, I can't play like him at all. I yeah. mean, he's a very... Um, I tend to, to, especially as I've gotten older, I tend to be more uh, laid back, but he's very uh, just powerful, aggressive, and fast. Yeah. And uh, he's a great drummer. I've always yeah. loved Pierre's drumming. Um, and so, yeah, it was a big honor for him to ask me. That's cool. I had yeah. such a good time with that show. That was so fun. It was just like... It was way better than our first show. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah, our first show, we were just... The sound was weird. Yeah. We were a little loosey-goosey. That's just we the way it is, nervous. though. It had been two years yeah. since I played live. So the one at the, that you were at was just awesome. I, I was just like, all right, it's going to be a cool band, and let's see if Pierre can sing. And you Jessica Fiti was amazing. Yeah. She's yeah. always good. Yeah. Her voice, yeah. so good. But yeah. yeah, you guys were great. Pierre oh, was you. nailing it. And I was just, I don't know, I was in awe because I'm like, everybody in that band has just got this cool history and it's like yeah i don't know it was it was great i go back I loved with, it i go back with all those those folks uh like penny and i like i've my bands have played with the shames on and off yeah. for years yeah, I've played with um, and i've never times. really known her yeah and like i mean we've obviously met and talked right you know but i've never really known her so it's been great to, to get to know her she's yeah. just a great person and yeah. just a wonderful soul um Vince and I go. He used to help Zoinks back. I, yeah, the day. I didn't know until yeah. just recently. I was at his music shop and we started talking. He recorded Drug Knuckle, yeah. you know, uh, Crush Stories first EP, and then yeah. he did some of that Zoink stuff. And yeah, I'm like, he helped How us do I out. Not know like you? I remember we we had some. Yeah, he. I think he hooked us up with PAs and stuff when he worked at Maytown. Yeah. And no, yeah, Vince is great, yeah. and I didn't know he was the shredder he was on guitar. Man, he shreds. Heck yeah. That is so, he's so good, yeah. And Shane was our fill-in bassist um, when Zoinks got back together, so that's how I've known him. And oh, okay. I actually knew him from the juveniles, or have known him from the juveniles yeah. for a long time, too. Well, that's cool. Well, I won't take any more of your time. I appreciate you talking oh, to me. Oh, thank you so much. It's, Sorry uh, I rambled just no, about no. all my music stuff. That's but, what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what I wanted, man. So I'm, yeah, thank you for... For talking. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks. Well, there you have it. Thanks, Bob. That was a rad interview. Thanks for letting me come to your office and uh, chat with you. I had so many more questions. I loved geeking out. It's what I do. And uh, yeah, ma'am. I need to ask you about some records, too, dude. Anyway, that is it. Just punk enough. This podcast survives because of you. Let's do some interviews, people. Hit me up. I'm exploring some more myself. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.